Hello and welcome to H2 Orthopedics. My name is Mike Begg. I'm a certified physician assistant and certified athletic trainer. I have a doctorate degree in medical science and over 30 years of experience in sports medicine, orthopedics, and medical education. My goal is to take your orthopedic diagnosis or injury and help you make sense of it. Welcome to H2 Orthopedics. Hello, welcome to another edition of H2 Orthopedics. Today's topic is going to be uh, one that I'm going to be upfront and honest about that I don't specialize in, but I've had some experience and uh, for our primary care um, PAs and athletic trainers and, and providers out there, it's going to be one of the top reasons that patients may come to see you from an orthopedic standpoint at least, and that is low back pain, or I'll just say back pain in general. Um, I have worked in orthopedics, like I've said, for you know almost 30 years now, or orthopedics and sports medicine. And I have seen my share of, of back pain for sure, uh, but I've only specialized in it or focused on it when I was with a physiatrist uh, working uh, for probably two years uh, where we really did focus on back issues in a non-operative fashion. But uh, I thought I would touch on this as it has been a question uh, that's been brought up in a, it's an important one. So uh, in primary care, uh, back pain uh, is one of the top reasons, at least from an orthopedic uh, aspect, a patient will come to see you. It was very, very common. Uh, somewhere along the way in our lifetime, we will have back pain. I guarantee you that. And if you're an orthopedic um, a PA that works in the operating room and you're standing in awkward positions for you know, hours at a time, I'll guarantee you'll have back pain. I know nobody who's been in orthopedics for more than three or four years who doesn't have back pain. And many of my colleagues have had surgery uh, for back issues. And I've had back problems uh, that really kind of forced me to, to reconsider where I wanted to, to be all day long. And it uh, was an impetus for me to get into research for a little while where I didn't have to stand in those positions. Uh, I recovered, and then now that I'm back in the operating room, I actually use that as a criteria to uh, pick and choose the surgeon that I work with and the type of cases that we do and how long I have to stand there because my back is definitely not as healthy as it used to be. But um, again, primary care, orthopedics, uh, emergency room, urgent care, all these different avenues for patients to come see you, uh, back pain is going to be a very common reason uh, for them to come uh, come through your door. Uh, back pain can be caused by by all sorts of things. Usually, more often than not, and I'm not going to give percentages because, again, it's not my area of expertise, but more often than not, it's a muscular issue. So muscular strain. Uh, if we have an imbalance of the musculature of our core, so our abdominal muscles, our core muscles, our back muscles, uh, if there's an imbalance, if they're not able to support the core, which is what everything else works off of. It's you know what our pelvis uh, down below and what our, our shoulders or our thoracic area, our rib cage and our shoulders from above. It's what they work off. If we, if there's not a good stable muscular base there, then our mechanics are going to be really, uh, you know, thrown off. And if we ask more, say we're moving the couch or lifting or pushing on, you know, on something quite heavy, um, we may, we may strain those muscles. It's primarily in the low back, uh, when we're trying to do that activity. Uh, and then it's simply a recovery that is focused on, you know, muscle strains. So, uh, often without what we call radiculopathy, uh, nerve pain shooting down, uh, the arms or down the legs, uh, we consider this to be muscular in nature and we treat it conservatively with, uh, rest, you know, some stretching, some, some physical therapy modalities, et cetera, uh, more often than not. There's a big push, uh, out there, uh, for, um, primary care physicians, orthopedists, ER docs, uh, MPAs, urgent care personnel, um, to really evaluate the need for imaging x-rays, MRIs, or advanced imaging in this realm, uh, are overused and not all that useful 
because of the likelihood of this being muscular in nature. Now, there are definitely caveats to that. If a patient comes in with radiculopathy, a numbness, tingling, or more specifically weakness, let's say they can't uh, lift or, or push off when they're walking, their foot has you know kind of a flop to it when they're walking, that's a, that's a concerning problem. That, that elevates it to uh, necessitate some, some uh, advanced imaging like an MRI because uh, there's likely nerve compression problems or um, longevity or lack of getting better with, with that primary care or that you know, more simple approach. But again, typically it's muscular in nature. You've strained or pulled on some muscles of the low back uh, by lifting, pushing, or pulling on something that's too heavy, bad mechanics, body mechanics are off, uh, poor uh, flexibility, poor mechanics when you're lifting, you know, bend over from the waist instead of lift with your legs. Uh, snow shoveling is a very common um, reason for, for back pain here where I live in Colorado this time of year in the winter. Uh, it's a very common reason for me to have back pain, honestly. Uh, don't think about the mechanics every time you, you lift that shovel of snow, uh, which in the spring gets quite heavy uh, with water content being more. And uh, you twist and try to move that snow. And, and the next thing you know, you have low back pain uh, from a muscular nature. Um, arthritis. So there's bones, you know, the spine is made of, of the vertebrae. Uh, so there's several bones that make up the cervical spine, thoracic spine, and lumbar spine, uh, all kind of joining together at different levels. And between uh, each of those, those vertebrae are small little joints. There's a little bony prominence that comes down and meets the, the vertebrae below it, where it has a little bony prominence that comes up, and they're what we call facet joints. So there's going to be some arthritic uh, conditions at the facets themselves. There can be some bony breakdown at the um, at the vertebral body. That big round piece of the or the vertebrae that most of us are familiar with can also have arthritic changes. Uh, between those vertebrae at each level is a intervertebral disc or a, kind of a um, a cushion, if you will, uh, that is supposed to help absorb shock and then help with mobility. And as that disc breaks down, uh, some of the pressure from that disc, I'm sure you've heard of a bulging disc, can push on uh, either the spinal cord, uh, which would be directly in front of that disc in the vertebral body, or to the side where the nerve roots, which are kind of the, the small nerves that come off each layer or level of the spinal cord to go different parts of our body, they branch off and go through a little hole, what we call a frame, foramen, between those bony provinces that make the facet joint. Um, and a, a disc uh, problem or disc protrusion can push on, you know, one or the other or both sides of those exiting nerve roots. And you can have specific findings on your exam or complaints of this part of my leg or this part of my arm uh, has these symptoms, numbness, tingling, weakness. And oftentimes the diagnosis can be made by uh, correspondence of which level you, know, you have an issue with, say, uh, your foot and ankle, well, the lumbar spine, we can figure out which level of the lumbar spine is likely a problem and specifically focus treatment on that area. And again, if imaging is needed, specifically look at that area uh, to see if there's a, a, a protrusion disc causing problems. Uh, you know, things like uh, fractures, the vertebrae can compress or fracture, um, especially with osteoporosis or kind of the um, the bone quality of the bone, more of a bone injury or bone you know disease. Um, we can have... Um, osteomyelitis, an infection of the bone. Uh, we can have just simple nerve pain. Again, those nerve roots come off. You have a muscular issue, the muscle spasms, spasms around that nerve root. Uh, you can have a specific nerve-related issues, not necessarily from the origin, the spinal cord and that nerve root, but a little bit further downstream, if you will, uh, causing compression. Uh, stenosis is, again, that narrowing of that space in that foraminal opening where those nerve roots exit. 
And just from a simple aging arthritic wear and tear process, we can have stenotic changes from a bony standpoint. So again, the disc can protrude into that area and irritate and compress on that nerve, or the bone can actually close down uh, with an arthritic process where there's bone spurs that are forming and they can pinch on that nerve as it exits and cause those symptoms downstream. Uh, we can have, um, you know, things that, uh, that are uh, kind of wear and tear. Uh, we, we see this in gymnasts or uh, skiers or high impact athletes where those little bridges of, of bone that we talked about that make the facet joints uh, fail or they break. And um, if they break those, you know, the two vertebral bodies above and below that are kind of, you know, making that joint, that facet joint can shift on one another. It's a big long word called spondylolisthesis, uh, but just basically it's a vertebral shift, uh, which can cause issue. Hopefully it's down low enough in the lumbar spine where the spinal cord actually is not a big cord anymore. It's more of uh, multiple little fibers. Uh, but if it's up higher and, and it shifts over onto that spinal cord and cause significant issues, um, but but the spondylolisthesis, what, what often would be called a spondy, just to shorten things a bit, um, can become a big issue. And again, we see it a lot in gymnasts, uh, young uh, gymnasts or young athletes who are really jumping, landing, pounding. Um, you'll see that they have kind of a sway back for their for their sport. Um, oftentimes, that's a muscular imbalance. Uh, but but because of that positioning, there's abnormal forces that'll cause these little fractures in that bony bridge. Uh, and causes spondy. Uh, we see it a lot in ski racers at a young age. We see it a lot in kind of that young athletic population, like I said. So spondies can cause issues as well. And they may not be a significant issue. We can take that athlete, you know, when they're, you know, 12, 15, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there, we can take them out of activity, let things calm down and hopefully let that heal. And if it's in a position that, um, where it heals, it's in an okay position, an appropriate position where there's not a lot of pressure on the nerve root exiting or the spinal cord more central, uh, they can get back to activities. But oftentimes, you know, they'll, they'll leave their activity. They'll say, you know, I had back problems when I was a kid, so I didn't do gymnastics any longer. And now I'm 40 and I now have significant back problems, which may lead to a surgical procedure where they have to go in and, you know, not only fix the spondylosis, spondylolisthesis or that shifting of the vertebral bodies. Um, but that disc is worn out and they have all sorts of other issues that have come along uh, because of that abnormal mechanical um, compensation for that spondy, uh, which may lead to a fusion or may lead to an artificial disc. And, you know, all these different procedures that are done on more of the adult population could be you know, trace back to their, to their youth as an athletic uh, younger person. It doesn't have to be athletics. It can simply just be wear and tear. Um, there's many other reasons to go to surgery, but that's, you know, that's one thing that just came to mind. So, and then things like, you know, infections and tumors and those kind of things um, can also give you back pain that, you know, certainly should not be overlooked by the provider um, and needs to be worked up. And really we have to listen to the history uh, if a patient comes in with fever or weight loss or kind of these odd presentations and, uh, you know, that and back pain, uh, we need to really pay attention uh, to what they're saying. But again, oftentimes it's more muscular in nature. We can recommend, you know, obviously resting, some gentle stretching, some over-the-counter, you know, anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen, Aleve, Motrin, those type of things um, for a short course. You know, obviously you want to check and make sure they're healthy enough and don't have any reason not to take those medications. But if they're relatively healthy, um, you know, Oftentimes I'll prescribe between six and 800 milligrams of ibuprofen three times a day, which seems like a ton of pills uh, because it's over the counter and those are 200 milligram tablets. And, you know, if you're 180 pounds like myself, you could take 800 milligrams three times a day. That's four 
ibuprofen three times a day with each meal. That's 12 pills a day. It seems like you're going to, wow, you're going to, you know, kill your liver, kill your kidneys. And we wouldn't want you to do it very long. We want you to take it with food. We want you to stay hydrated. We want you to be aware of any side effects and stop. And typically, and this is just my approach, I would say no more than seven days. Um, if you feel relief, take a three-day break. Take it for five days. If you feel still feel relief but you need more, take a break. Take it for no more than three days. And if you still need it, then we're probably outrunning that as a medication. Uh, it's also in conjunction with either at-home stretching and ice packs and heat packs or trying to get that muscle to relax uh, and that spasming to relax so that we can get back to actually fixing the problem where we can strengthen and balance the front and the back of that core uh, work on some flexibility of the hamstrings as they pull on the pelvis, uh, work on flexibility of the quadriceps and work on those muscle groups to get them balanced and healthy, you know, work on, you know, general mechanics. If you're going to be lifting or pushing or pulling, let's say it's early in the, in the winter and we have a, you know, a few weeks where we had some problems, but you know, you're going to shovel snow when you go back out there, you know, work on your mechanics and, and do it properly. So you don't run into this problem again. Um, so oftentimes we can treat this back pain with that very easy conservative approach. I've had back pain all my life. I definitely am not downplaying it by saying easy because it's miserable when it's present. It's an absolute horrible thing uh, when you can't stand up without having this, you know, stabbing pain in your back. It's hard to take a breath. You definitely don't want to cough, sneeze, or laugh. I mean, all these different things cause pain. Um, but it's typically muscular in nature. If it's not, let's say we have those symptoms where we do have that radiculopathy, that shooting pain, um, let's say from our low back down into our, our leg, um, this, the provider will ask, where does this go? What To what level does it go? And on their exam, they may check your sensation comparing, you know, say right or left or involved versus uninvolved. They'll check your sensation. And there's little areas on your body called dermatomes which are sensation maps. It's kind of a sensation map. And we know different levels of the spine feed or supply that, that specific area of, of your body. So in your leg, we have kind of the lumbar and some early sacral um, levels. And we will test uh, you no know, dermatome sensation. Do you feel me touching? Is it equal? Does this feel like thick skin? Does it feel numb? Does it feel tingly? Is it different? And if it, we start to find these areas that are abnormal, then we can kind of, again, focus back on a certain level of your spine as to the potential area of the injury. Uh, same thing for strength. We have, you know, myotomes or muscle uh, function tomes that, or maps that we can look at. And if you have weakness in certain areas, then we can map that back up to the spine and see, okay, you know, the dermatome and the myotome are matching up to this be the level of the lumbar spine that we're worried about. If you truly have weakness, we're concerned because that means you have likely have pressure on the motor uh, fibers of that nerve root as it's exiting off the spinal cord. And if we keep pressure on that area for too long, we may not get it back. So that becomes somewhat of a medical urgency slash emergency, depending on the level of your of your symptom. And um, we wouldn't want you to uh, to just go home and do some stretching, some ibuprofen for that. That becomes something urgent. And again, that's where the imaging, you know, let's get x-rays will give us some some information. And I'll just say, even though I've heard it for years and years, and I know others follow it differently, but uh, patients come in to see us with back pain. If we don't order an x-ray, they're going to ask us to order an x-ray. They want to know what is going on and why am I having this miserable situation in my life. X-rays will show us arthritic changes. They'll show us degeneration of disc space. Um, they'll show us the bony structure. And we can um, we can imply or assume things from uh, those, those images, those x-ray images. Uh, but really, if we're thinking nerve root and disc protrusion or 
disc compression, or excuse me, nerve root compression or nerve compression or spinal cord compression, all these different things, we need an MRI or a special test that looks at these soft tissues in more detail. And then we can really isolate in, all right, here's what's going on. And typically that drives us to our treatment options. Not always does this become a surgical option um, or recommendation, but oftentimes it will because we need to relieve pressure on that nerve root. If we can do something in therapy, and this is where physical therapists are awesome about helping uh, with their part, um, oftentimes we can you know, do therapy first and see if this gets us back to a situation where it's tolerable. Sometimes that disc that's being protruding into that space will uh, resorb a bit or the inflammation around that nerve will calm down. Again, oral anti-inflammatories like ibuprofen, Motrin, Aleve, those type of things are focused on decreasing inflammation. Uh, sometimes that's not enough. So the physiatrist or orthopedic surgeon or whoever you've seen uh, may recommend um, injections into this area. So some of the facet joint arthritis is really well treated with uh, a corticosteroid injection into that facet. Some of these protruding discs that are just causing inflammation of that nerve root, but not necessarily um, specific compression or more on the mild side of compression is there, will respond well to a corticosteroid or an anti-inflammatory injection specifically to that area. Um, on occasion, we can get that disc space to actually, or that disc to uh, kind of uh, reestablish a firmer uh, or more um, stable scenario by an injection of a um, of a biologic. It's one of the newer applications of biologics. So there's a lot of injection options that are out there that may be, and oftentimes are the first step of treatment if we start to get more advanced than just some basic PT or some home exercises. So when a, a patient comes in for a, uh, let's say a, an injection of a corticosteroid, we know the level, or we should know the level. And if there's more than one, it becomes a little bit of a question as to where do we direct that injection. And I'll get to that in a second. But again, your findings, the dermatome, the myotome uh, findings, your strength testing, the MRI findings will kind of give us you know, a level of our, our target. But let's say there's two levels. When we, whenever an injection is performed uh, in this area, um, or I shouldn't say whenever, but more often than not, uh, we're doing both a diagnostic step and hopefully a therapeutic step. Diagnostics for us to help figure out which, which, which level is exactly causing your symptoms or to what degree, and then therapeutic for you to feel better. Um, if we have two or more levels of findings on exam and or MRI, uh, oftentimes the the treating physician will say, let's just do one level first. So lean more towards the diagnostic side, hopefully therapeutic. Let's look at the area that we feel is our brightest target, treat that with an injection, see how you do. And if you do great, all right, home run, we hit it. If you don't do great, then we need to go to the next level. So it's become comes somewhat of a trial and error at times um, for these injections, but they're both diagnostic and therapeutic anytime a needle goes in, especially in the spine. More often than not, this will be done in the operating room suite so they can use an x-ray uh, or some type of imaging, ultrasound or x-ray, uh, in my experience has been x-ray, uh, to see exactly what level and what position, where is that needle? It's very specific where they put that needle and where they do the injection, uh, often of some numbing medication, uh, typically of an of a intermediate or long-lasting effect, and that corticosteroid to give you relief of those uh, those inflammatory symptoms. If you do an injection, and I'll just say in my case, I've had an injection, and it fixed my problem, at least for the time 
it was debilitating. I was, it was in the operating room. We were quite busy. Uh, my right leg would go numb by about 10 o'clock in the morning. It was painful. It was hard to breathe. Uh, I saw the physiatrist in the lunchroom happened to, uh, to be there the day at the surgery center. Uh, he said, look, we need to work this up. We got an MRI, found the level. He gave me an injection. I did a bunch of therapy, stretching exercises, core strengthening, and I got better. I never had another injection. That's not common, uh, but it's great. If your relief isn't as long as mine, and let's say it's uh, four to six weeks, but then your symptoms come back and we're sure we know exactly what level is, maybe another round of injections, uh, two, perhaps three rounds of injections. But if the length of benefit is lessening and you're continuing with your conservative course, physical therapy, strengthening, et cetera, but you're not getting better, now this becomes a potential surgical fix. So then that physiatrist or that treating physician up to this point may refer you over to a uh, either an orthopedist that specializes in spine surgery or a neurosurgeon to really look at this and say, all right, structurally, uh, there's something mechanically wrong here that's that's not being treated adequately with the more conservative course of stretching exercises, physical therapy, and these injections. We know what level because of the diagnostic feedback we got from the injections. Now we need to consider surgical intervention, and that surgery may include stabilization of an unstable joint. It may include uh, removing disc material uh, that's protruding into that space. It may include opening up that foraminal opening where that nerve root exits uh, because bone spurs and, and uh, overbone, overgrowth of bone have compromised that space and that nerve doesn't have any room to, to exit. Uh, there's all sorts of uh, potential options surgically that, again, I'm not going to get into because my expertise is definitely not there. Um, but it's all based off of that step-by-step workup of you first coming to the door, presenting your symptoms, the uh, the practitioner, uh, PA physician, nurse practitioner, whoever's there, you know, really kind of analyzing and investigating, right, myotome, dermatome, strength, this level of pain, these findings, this nerve, uh, figuring it all out, trying the conservative course of treatment first. Again, more often than not, that's going to be where you end all this and you're good to go if it's just a simple muscle strain or potentially moving down the road to those therapeutic injections if the physical therapy and the modification of activities have failed. And then potentially you work your way towards that surgical intervention. Uh, and then ultimately, um, we hope that's the fix. <clears throat> there is a well-known uh, side effect of fusing two vertebral bodies together. So I always picture a bicycle chain and each of those links works independently, but they, they have to work together with the links next to it or the whole chain is compromised. So if we intentionally weld a couple of those uh, links together or fuse the vertebrae together, uh, it'll take care of the pain often. Uh, but unfortunately, all the force that used to go through that level of that that link of that chain uh, has to go somewhere else. So it goes to the links above and below. And uh, oftentimes they start to break down or see wear and tear quicker than uh, if they were in a healthy, you know, uh, a healthy chain or healthy vertebral body. Uh, scenario, if that makes sense. So that's the, you know, that's the downside. Uh, the plus side is some, typically your symptoms improve and, and you feel better. Uh, but we just have to sometimes pay the price for, for what we do in the operating room by changing the mechanics of the body. So again, pretty brief, pretty quick overview of back pain, but it's a very, very common issue that I wanted to bring up because uh, we hear about it all the time. Again, it's, it's, uh, if it's not number one, it's the top three or top five uh, primary care complaints. Uh, more often than not, sometime in your life, you will have pain. I hope it's only once or actually I hope it's zero times because I've been there. It's miserable. Uh, but if it's, if it's pain that's associated with weakness, 
don't ignore it. If you truly have weakness, go see somebody because that's becoming an urgent slash emergent issue that really should be addressed, you know, sooner as opposed to later. If you just kind of have, you know, sore back from shoveling snow, heat pack, ice pack, stretching, modifying your activities over the counter, you know, medications like uh, Aleve or Motrin oftentimes will get you back um, to feeling better and back to activities. And then go back to address the problem. Make sure you have good core strength. Make sure you have good flexibility. Make sure you have good strength throughout your body. Um, and then uh, make sure you use good mechanics if if you're lifting, pushing, or pulling. So there it is. That's the quick brief overview, H2O back pain. Uh, not going to get any deeper, uh, but I hope that helps. And as always, until we talk again, stay active, stay healthy, and do your best to put a smile on someone else's face. See ya. Hey, it's Mike here. I hope this episode's helping you out and answering some questions. If I'm not hitting every topic right on for you, if there's something specific that you have about your injury, uh, or you want to discuss unique findings on the exam or your history, your MRI, your x-rays, whatever it might be, head to our website at h2orthopedics.com and scroll to the bottom for an opportunity to sign up for a virtual visit where we can either have a Zoom call, we can do a telephone call, whatever it might be, and we can discuss the specifics of your injury in more detail and hopefully get the answer you're looking for. Again, that's h2orthopedics.com. Scroll to the bottom for the virtual visit, and I will talk to you next.